Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. What is design? It has many definitions, and it's a part of nearly everything we do, from the dashboard layout of your car that you're in right now to the sleek contours of your smartphone. Design is implemented to be pleasing to the eye and practical for use. Today is the start of the sixth Nashville Design Week. So what's the week about? What type of events will be taking place? How can someone who's not a designer get involved? Today, we'll talk with the folks who are putting the week together. My first guest is one of the founders of Nashville Design Week and is here to tell us what the week is and how it got started. Kate O'Neill, one of the founders and former director and host of this year's event, Design for Artificial Creativity, is here. Kate, thanks for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Awesome. So... Nashville Design Week is in its sixth year. Congratulations. Thank you. How did it get started? Give me the origin story. I love this story. Um, So Fuller, Hannah, and I worked together in architecture, and the two of us were volunteering for AIA Middle Tennessee together, and we became kind of partners in crime, Um, loved planning different networking things for different groups in the architecture field. Um, But we got really interested in reaching out to different design disciplines and talking to people, not only in architecture. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were really interested um, to try something different. And I think just got that itch. Um, And the way it happened is Fuller called me up on a random Tuesday afternoon said, hey, what do you think about starting Nashville Design Week? And immediately just overwhelming yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a two-minute conversation at most, and we really just got started that way. Um, it was immediately me walking over to Lindsay DiCarlo's desk. Okay. <laughs> it was in her office. She had just moved down from New York. She was in marketing. And I was like, hey, what do you know about Design Weeks? Would you like to start one with us? And um, so a group of us got together and ended up being Fuller, Julia Dyer, Lindsay, and myself. And we were ready to dig in and do the work. Took us about a year and a half to plan. It was just many weekends of us dreaming and creating and sitting on a couch, eating five points pizza and drinking wine. Okay. And talking about what this could be. (laughs) Those are two things that help for brainstorming. I imagine good pizza and wine. Okay, so... A year and a half, you all worked on this event. You got it together. Talk to me about the first year, the first event. What are your memories from that? The first year was so special and wild. Um, We were given really great advice from other people who had founded Design Weeks that the first year was really about excitement. We had to find a way to make everyone feel connected to this and want to be a part of it. So we accepted every single event that got submitted to us. Okay. So we hosted about 90 events for that first year. 90 events? Okay, so compare that to this year. How many events are you hosting? This year, we probably have about 25 events. 25. All right. So what did you learn? Okay, first, 
Tell me a few of the memorable events of the 90 in the first year and then what you learned about having that many events for one week's worth of activities. I um, The most memorable, of course, would be the closing party for our first year. We took over um, the Roxy Theater over in Cleveland Park, which is currently kind of not used, so it's just sitting there. Um, and we worked closely with the, the team that owns the building and we brought it back to life. Um, CORE, this amazing creative agent, lighting agency here did an installation outside. It was, it was truly unforgettable. Um, so that was, that was extremely memorable for year one, but also can't forget just the, the wildness of running around trying to harness all the people and all the things that were happening and, uh, something we really learned was if we wanted to um, talk about good design, we had to make sure that we were being good designers and designing the week. Hmm. Um, and we had to rein in the energy and really make sure it was a curated experience. Um, we had a lot of feedback from many great people that, you know, it was overwhelming to pick what to go to when you have 90 events and you have to read descriptions for 20 events every day. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of time. People wanted a more curated calendar. So that's what we worked on. Worked on curating the calendar, choosing the right spaces. Now, when you talked about design, and I really want to ask you this, like what design is exactly, you said you wanted to make sure everyone felt like they were a part of it. Because design is everywhere and everything. Like I'm looking at you, you have a wonderful outfit on your blazer. That was design, you know? This microphone that we're talking into was design. Talk to me about the breadth that design has for our society, us as humans. It is truly everything, just like you say. From the moment you wake up, everything that you interact with, that you touch, is designed by someone. And the way that you go about your day is designed by you. Mm. Um, the way that you approach a problem is connected to design thinking. Um, it just, it, it truly um, transcends our lives. Um, and, and so it is really difficult for us. It's something we ask ourselves every year. What is design and how do we define it? Because in our minds, it shouldn't be limiting. Um, there are certainly kind of formal design fields like architecture, interior design, graphic design, um, so many wonderful professionals out there doing it. But um, to us, really, it's a very broad definition. And we want to bring everyone to the table who has an opinion about it or who is experiencing it or wants to learn about it. Because mm -hmm. I, I can see like culinary arts being a part of design. Absolutely. And we have, we are so excited about an event this year that is all about um, the culinary experience. Wow. Okay. I want to learn a little bit more about that. You I mean, because it, it, to me, it, it just feels like this is creative. It's, it's creative thinking is critical to like any good design. And Tell me, what, like, what are some instances where everyday people come up into moments where design-ish thinking comes into play? Hmm. That's a really good question. That's what we do here. <laughs> I guess, um, hmm. do you have a specific example you could think of? I mean, I'm just thinking about, like you said, how we design our days, you know? Right. And, and personally, for myself, woke up, you know, get myself together. And my thought is designed the, the day. I have mm. three cats. Mm -hmm. uh, they spend a lot of time outdoors. Two were outdoors last night. They refused to come in. So I expect two wet cats. And my thought is, do I get myself in the shower and get dressed before I take care of the cats? Or do I take care of the cats first? That is designing of my day, the scheduling of it, right? 
I would think so. Yes. Yes. You have to think ahead. Think about what um, what choices you're going to have that impact other things for sure. And I think also just, you know, designing your life, designing what is around you constantly that absolutely affects you as a person, Mm -hmm. um, where you're living, who you're interacting with, um, where you work, where you choose to spend your time. Um, It all goes into kind of creating and and making, building a life that that works for you. You know, I like how you put that, designing your life as opposed to kind of some more concrete ways that we can associate ourselves with our lives. Because if I decide to do something different, I'm redesigning my life in that instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels a little bit more empowering to think about it that way. So tell me, how did you get into design? I guess I um, really loved art when I was young. And my dad is an engineer. My mom is a floral designer, very talented, creative, kind of outside the box thinker. Um, And they really encouraged me to look into interior design. So that's what I studied um, in college and then um, became more and more interested in architecture. So went to school again for architecture afterward and now have been in the design field for about 10 years. 10 years. How do you employ design thinking in your everyday life? Mm. Great question. Well, I do love that it's it's something that I do for work. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's one of my favorite things. It's just creative problems problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that actually it gets really difficult when you think about design for yourself. Um, I love designing for other people because it's very easy to kind of, not easy, but it's it's challenging. It's great to kind of be presented with a problem and then help someone find a solution based mm-hmm. on your knowledge. Um, but when in your own life, you have to, you know, it's kind of like designing your own house if you're a, a designer is one of the most challenging, paralyzing acts. It's something that I love to talk to other designers about just because you're so used to finding solutions for other people that fit and make sense. And you know how big of a range there is so many choices to make for yourself. And it's when you don't have someone who can see the answer, Mm. you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. So it's, so it's hard for you as a designer to design things for yourself. I wonder why that is. Do you think it's because, you know, are you so, kind of married and intimately tied to the choices that you have in front of you? I guess so, right. It's like you make a decision and you know that there are so many other options out there. Uh-huh. Yep. I love this. Now, okay, so Design Week is going on. First, before I ask you what your favorite part of Design Week is, can you, can you tell me about the weirdest or most memorable event conversation that you've been a part of over the past six years of Design Week? Mm. That's a hard one. Oh yeah, there's been plenty of weird Yes, I think um, I'll tell you about a happy accident. Okay. We did have um, an event that was a really incredible, it was also a dining experience, um, but it was it was all about equity. So the, the event was an equity dinner and um, we were, um, you know, having these incredible conversations at dinner tables. Um, but there was a miscommunication with the caterer. Oh. So we didn't have us, uh, you know, a, a staff to help serve the food. Okay. So a bunch of us were at the event 
um, you know, the founders and different volunteers who were very integral to making the week happen. And we all just picked up plates and and serve, we served everyone because um, <laughs> we had to do it. Mm-hmm. And we were in the back scrubbing dishes all night. Um, you know, it was it was not glamorous, but it was really wonderful. Um, and we all love that that happened um, just because it kind of went hand in hand with the event itself mm-hmm. um you know we were up there presenting kind of introducing everyone and then we were also serving and scrubbing dishes um <laughs> have you ever worked in food service before i have not okay so my first job was a dishwasher i could tell you there's a whole bunch of design when you're washing dishes after the lunch and dinner rush oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bunch of design okay yeah. so you're the host of this year's event it's called digit design for artificial creativity all right so does Midjourney dream of electric sleep? Tell me about this event. It sounds really interesting. Yes, I think that we're at a really unique moment um, when so many AI models are coming out, and there are different um, AI platforms that you can just give it a, a text prompt, and it will give you um, a rendering mm-hmm. or a visual of something. So it's it's this really unique moment where a lot of people are pretty scared and hesitant. You know, what is AI? How is it affecting the way we work? So we've gotten together a group of um, designers and artists, and we're going to talk about how to use AI effectively in the creative process. Um, so these are all people who've experimented with AI. Um, they're using it and it's a it's a great way to iterate and kind of shorten that you know it's it's almost like a a sketch but it's a computer sketch Mm -hmm. um so we're talking all about that should be a really fascinating just panel discussion that's really cool now what else can people look forward to when they attend events at design week i think just intriguing conversation it's a really a way to open studio doors to anybody who's interested so really um taking the mystique out of the creative process and the design process. So um, helping connect designers all across Nashville, uh, connect creatives. So we've created this wonderful community of people who support each other, who want to work together. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just a time to be inspired, to connect, elevate, and celebrate design. Kate O'Neill is one of the founders of Nashville Design Week. Kate, I want to say thank you so much for being here. And thank you for putting on Design Week. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much. When we come back from break, we'll learn more about the festivities of Nashville Design Week and explore how design shows up in Nashville and in our lives. Do you have a question about design? You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. We're talking about design here in our city. The sixth annual Design Week is happening, and plenty of people are excited about it. But what is design? Before the break, we heard from one designer, Kate O'Neill. Now let's get the thoughts of some other designers in the city. I'd like to introduce my next guests. Dr. Megan Jordan is a social scientist, researcher, and artist. And Caitlin Dastug is the COO of Civic Design Center. Thanks to you both for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. 
Thanks Thank for you. having us. This yeah. is really great. Okay, so Megan, you you use art and research to explore social justice. Yes, I do. How do you do that? Oh my goodness. Well, so my big project, uh, which is my dissertation, I did at Vanderbilt, um, and I interviewed about 37 artists, activists, about how did they use their art uh, to create social change. And so a lot of them, like, they make work inspired by the people they serve and try to be, be connectors in their communities to try to get people to understand their point of view by using art, which is like more of like a softer way to introduce people to the changes that we want to see in society rather than using like divisive lingo um, mm -hmm. that won't get us there. Tell me, like, how can movements like of social justice, how can they be bridge builders for communities or entire cities? Yeah, I honestly, it's by talking to people and getting each other to see, like getting each person to see the humanity in their neighbor. And so I think that's what a lot of art does. And, um, you know, creating spaces where people can talk publicly about these values they share. So like everyone values safety. What does safety mean to everyone? Um, everyone wants to be able to afford to eat and, you know, live and have good transit, like get to their job safely and on time. Like, how do we talk more about that in public spaces um, and use art as a conduit of like, yeah, getting um, people to relate. Give me an example of, of, of a, a space art like that. Art like that. Here in Nashville. Yeah. Hmm. Well, recently I was actually at a symposium uh, hosted by the American Institute of Research. Um, and they came and they had a um, talk at Meharry Medical College, which is in like the zip code 37208, which is the most incarcerated police zip code in Nashville in the U.S. Um, and they decided, let's have artists come in who make works about safety and justice and things like that and talk with community organizers and policymakers and show their work. And so me and um, a few other artists, um, Andres Busamante and Shabazz Larkin and a couple others, um, we brought in our work paintings uh, that are inspired by um, folks that are those voices that need to be served mm -hmm. basically. And it was a beautiful conversation. There's the poet laureate. Uh, and she talked about, she had a poem about boats, which was really about um, bullets mm. um, to talk about her take on gun safety, being a middle schooler in Nashville Metro. Um, so yeah, those are just, that's just one example um, of a space that was kind of a temporary space for us to have that conversation. Yeah. They can happen anywhere yeah, at any time. Absolutely. Now, Caitlin, you are the COO of the Civic Design Center. Tell me, what do you all do there? Yes. Yeah, so I like to start by talking about what is civic design as a way to kind of explain our work. Um, so when I think about civic design, I think about it both in the spaces that we're working in, um, but also the process. And so when we think about civic spaces, what might come to mind are our courthouses, our kind of big institutional buildings, but really our civic spaces extend to our parks, our community gathering spaces, our streets, our sidewalks. And what's so unique and great about that is all those spaces aren't just built by happenstance, they're designed intentionally. And then civic in terms of the process that we believe that's a core tenet of our work is that 
the best design spaces involve community input and involve the voices of neighbors, of residents who actually use these spaces on a daily basis. Yeah, I like that. Now, you all do program, programs with the youth. Yes. Tell me about one specific program that you've been working on them with. Sure. Um, so we have uh, our youth program started with our Design Your Neighborhood curriculum, which is a middle school curriculum that's taught in middle schools across the city and now growing across the state with an expansion of Chattanooga this year. And it really teaches students um, about what is possible with civic engagement and how uh, community development actually happens in our everyday life and in our communities. Um, that has grown to something called the Nashville Youth Design Team. It's a group of uh, teenagers, so high school students who are involved in a paid internship through the Design Center, and they are completely self-directed. They identify an issue in Nashville, they do their research, and they come up with a design solution for this issue in Nashville. Hmm. Um, a few years ago, they were doing research on what is the most deadly corridors in Nashville. They identified Dickerson Pike, the cross section with Hart Lane, and designed a intervention that with some paint and some temporary measures, slowed traffic to make that a safer intersection. And they took it a step further. They advocated for that to be a permanent solution. And now uh, they got to recently celebrate that the state uh, TDOT is putting a $30 million investment to make that a complete street, to make that a permanent improvement into our city. Wow. Pretty amazing. That's that's kind of unprecedented, huh? Very unprecedented. It's the first time the state is investing in a state road as a complete street investment, and it took youth voices to get there. How did they feel? How did Uh, they react when they heard the news? Very excited and pretty amazing, and they should be, um, since this was really uh, completely, yeah, youth-driven by their ideas, their design solution. And I think it speaks to um, everyone can be a designer, and especially when it comes to our public spaces, our cities, our neighborhoods. We all have the tools, and particularly youth have a unique perspective that they can bring to the design conversation. Now, you know, Megan works in bringing design to social justice act activities and movements, and equity is something that Kate talked about before. We have to understand historically, when design was happening across this city and other places across the country, equity was not necessarily a concern for people. We look at 65 Highway going through Jefferson Street. Mm -hmm. How do you all move forward with projects, but having equity in mind for the future, future Nashvillians, future people living in Middle Tennessee? Yeah, and I think the highway discussion is a great place to start because we can't move forward until we address uh, systemic racism in the in our built environment, in the history of city planning, and in not just in Nashville and cities across the country. And I really do what we believe at the Design Center and through our work is uh community members are the experts in what should be the change leading in their neighborhoods, in their built environment and in projects and making sure that community voices are centered in those decision-making and in that design process is very important. Mm-hmm. And the correction, I meant I-40, not I-65 is the one. I apologize about that. Now, I, what, what, what both got you into this work? Megan, how did you get inspired to do what you're doing now? Oh my goodness. Um, 
Well, I've always been an artist, but I used to be a community organizer, a labor organizer um, at a bus manufacturing plant in the middle of Alabama. And I saw that um, a lot of the workers, like the workplace was segregated by race and by gender. So like there was literally four buildings. One was black, one was white, one was women, um, kind of right. intermixed, which is crazy and apparently legal. Um, and uh no, the workers all had the same issues at the place, but they couldn't speak to each other about it because the managers had pitted them against each other based on all these stereotypes associated with race and class and history. And um, and so I came out of that job kind of demystified and um, downtrodden and took like other organizing jobs and kept coming against these same issues of like, how do we get people to see each other as humans? And... Um, Long story short, I got a, uh, an organizer job in Philadelphia, quit on my first day. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was um, pretty bad. And I came back to Alabama, worked retail, and was like, I will paint to get this out, like to get all these feelings out that I was feeling that I couldn't verbalize. And this is also backdrop by the 2016 election. So okay. it was a very trying time to be organizing communities, and I needed to get that out in my paint to... Um, for my own mental health and sanity. And that led to other people seeing in my, my paintings and illustrations, like, oh, wow, like this is like, it's saying something, it's speaking to them. It's crossing across different um, back people's different backgrounds and stories and connecting people in a way I did not expect. So I just continued doing that and continue talking to artists that are also trying to do that same thing. So, yeah. That's a really amazing story. Thanks. What kind of collective is here in Nashville as far as like artists who are working in the design space moving towards social justice? Hmm. I mean, it depends on what kind of artist you're looking at. Like there's comedians like Josh Black. Like I would say he's arguably doing that with his work of like getting people to look at issues in a different way, look at racism in a different way. Um there's obviously so many artists across genre. So I, I would just, I don't really have too many names off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I would just in, encourage people to go out to the art crawls, see the kind of dialogue that's happening through the work. Um, the Wedgwood Houston Art Crawl is next, or oh, it's this Saturday at f between 4 p.m. and till whenever. So come out and see some of the artists that are there. Yeah. All right. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking this hour about design in our city with Dr. Megan Jordan and Caitlin Dastug. You can tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Caitlin, what led you to a career in design? So I grew up um, outside New Orleans, Louisiana, which is a wonderful place to grow up. Culture, sense of place, sense of community. But the actual environment that I grew up in was very suburban. Um, it was a community that was fastly fast growing in the 90s, early 00s. Um, and I lived in a, an elementary middle school. I was in a um, subdivision that was right next to my elementary middle school. Mm -hmm. We could have walked there maybe in six, eight minutes. But because of the layout of the streets, the way the development patterns were evolving, we had to get in our car to drive there. And I think as a kid, that was the first time I realized, I'm sure there are people in charge making these decisions. I'm sure they've made, they're probably, the adults have good reasons to be building our, our environment this way. But 
as I got older and experienced other places in high school, I went to a in high school, our high school was in a historic town center. So we were able to walk to the coffee shop, to a park, to a community festival. And it was really like almost a sociology perspective of I felt a greater sense of community there. I would run into teachers, run into people I knew. It felt like a place that people belonged. And I knew the ingredient. I didn't quite know what the ingredients were that made that feel like a better place to me. But as I got older and I got into college and my education, I realized that those were design decisions. And it was in a field called urban design, urban planning. I knew that's what I wanted to pursue. Um, And then the other big, um, big event for me was I was a senior in high school when Hurricane Katrina happened. And that really opened my eyes to not all places, not all neighborhoods uh, were equally built or Mm -hmm. designed. And a lot of our inequalities are designed into our cities. And that I knew would be a big part of my career going forward is figuring that out. In in the next segment coming up, we're going to talk to some people who are looking at a little bit of the long view Mm -hmm. of design. And right here in Nashville on the show, there's been a lot of conversations about what the future of Nashville is going to be in terms of environment, in terms of affordable housing in terms of transportation and general infrastructure. So you both are design experts and masters. I want to get your view of where you would like to see Nashville be from a design aspect, an area of design in the next 20 years. Megan. You know, this is such a great question. I'm so glad you asked it. Um, So basically, with everything going on in the world in regards to war, but also climate change, We need our city to design for the long game, as in we're going to have a lot of refugees. We're going to have to design for flooding um, in better ways than we have, because like we're we're literally in a basin. (laughs) Um, And so how do we make space for people that are going to need to put their roots here? And how it's not just how do we make physical space for that, but how do we make a cultural space that is welcoming for the fluxes and immigration that we were about to see because of these crises. Mm. Yeah. That's heavy. I know. It's, it's a heavy time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Caitlin, your vision for the next 20 years. Yeah, I think my vision, uh, I share it with most Nashvillians. I think in a lot of the work we do, listening to the community, um, we're hearing that transit, ways to move around the city needs to be improved. Housing needs to be affordable. We need more of it. And we need um, those amenities in our neighborhoods that we can easily get to jobs, um, parks, recreation, retail amenities, childcare within our neighborhood centers. And they should be more walkable and bikeable. Um, that's the vision I have and I share with our city. And um, I do think it's possible. I do think we're moving towards a, um, as we add elegant density into our neighborhoods, as we build what we need to build the capacity for better and more frequent transit, and as we prioritize affordable housing and work with our nonprofit and public partners to build more housing, uh, we're we're slowly steady getting there. Uh, the big One of the things that kicked off the Design Center's work was the plan of Nashville. It's a book. It's a 50-year vision for the vision of Nashville based on community input at the time. And it's really amazing because the vision for the city then, uh, we are closer to it now, but it still very much represents 
the hopes and dreams of Nashvilleians. Mm-hmm. You, you said something. You said elegant density. Talk to me about that term. Yes. Yeah, so I think um, in a lot of our neighbor neighborhoods, um, we have been, Nashville's been built around this idea of a single family home. Many of our neighborhoods um, are pretty low density. Uh, we don't see a lot of apartment complexes within some of our um, traditional residential neighborhoods. But as we grow, we make room for new Nashvilleians who are moving here. We need to be building more housing. And um, a lot of our focus has been building that housing on our corridors. We have great corridors in Nashville that are transit corridors. So both uh, building that density, but building it in a way that doesn't take away from the character of our neighborhoods. And there's a lot of design decisions that make density feel great Mm -hmm. in our neighborhoods. Setbacks, design codes, those sort of things. I heard there's something coming up called an adult playground. Oh, oh, tell me about it. I want to learn. I want to know more about it. <laughs> Do you all know what's happening oh, with the adult playground? There's an adult playground in Nashville. I, I think I mentioned one in my in my neighborhood in Columbus. I live in I live in both Nashville and Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Um, half time, but there's there's an adult playground outside my apartment building there, and I'm I just suggested Nashville should have. Things like that, okay, too. So what is in the adult yes. playground? A lot of people are listening. Maybe we can, you know, put this on a petition or something. Yes. Like, <laughs> honestly, let's dream together. We should have adult playgrounds. So in this adult playground, it was kind of underwhelming when I went to it, actually. But it's like <laughs> it's like a soft, like tar, like squishy um, part. It used to be a parking lot. And now it's like a tennis court or basketball court. But it also has like an area for music venues. Like, so like little containers that are painted with murals and a stage so people can perform or do whatever. And there's little table, um, little patio furniture and fire pits for people to hang out. But I was hoping to see like jungle gems for adults and like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like adventurous uh, things we can climb on. A a four square court so we can have a four square championship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That would be great. We got to do it. We have to do it. Well, I want to thank you both so much for being here. My guests were Dr. Megan Jordan. She's a social scientist, researcher, and artist. And Caitlin Dastug, who is the COO of the Civic Design Center. Thank you both so much for being here on the show and keep up the good work, okay? Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to learn about some of the cool events happening at Design Week and how you can be a part of them. Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Kulona, and this is Nashville. Nashville Design Week is getting started. Now, earlier in the show, we talked about how design impacts our lives. Now, let's learn more about the events that are being held throughout this week. What makes it cool? And can anyone be a part of it? Joining me now is Emmanuel Legraire. He is the former director of programming for Nashville Design Week, and he's also an event host this year. And Jeff Coonan, director of design at Gershom Smith and co-host of an an event, pardon me, it's Monday, for Design Week. So, gentlemen, thank you both for being here. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Thank you. I, I want to learn more about the events that you both are hosting this year because they both seem really, really interesting. Now, Emmanuel, you're hosting an event called Design for the Long Game. What is that event about? So Design for the Long Game is an opportunity for attendees and that those could look like design enthusiasts, those, those could look like design professionals, those could look like anyone that is merely interested in any element of design. Uh, they're able to come in and speak with some creative entrepreneurs in an intimate setting. So typically when you go to these events, there's a panel of speakers kind of sitting in the front of the room. And then after the event is over, you get to shake a few hands, kiss a few babies and you're out the door. So I wanted to change it this year so that way each of the panelists or the speakers or table hosts will be sitting at a table and the people could buy a ticket to sit at the table with them and have a conversation rather than watch them talk. So mm -hmm. it's a time of connection with each of the entrepreneurs that we have featured. What inspired the idea for this event? It would probably be what I just said. You know, I've been to tons of panels, been to tons of discussions, and I never really get to connect with anyone. Um, and I think that is a common uh, feeling amongst a lot of people that go to these events and just wanted to give the opportunity. Most of the people that are on the roster of speakers this year are friends of mine, mm -hmm. and I've had an opportunity to connect with them, and they are amazingly intelligent, accomplished, and just great people. And so if I can help others get introduced to them, and they can connect and find inspiration or make some sense about what they're trying to work on, then I think we've met our purpose. Now, it's called Design for the Long Game. Mm -hmm. Is the intent of these conversations to be talking about design 10, 15, 20, 30 years into the future? Absolutely. I think Nashville, and you guys talked about it earlier in the session today, Nashville's just growing so rapidly and there's so many things popping up all the time. Um, and how can we as designers or entrepreneurs or whoever we deem ourselves to be design things and put things into place that will be here for more than three years. I'll be here for more than five years. Like what am I designing? What legacy do I want to leave? What impact do I want to make in the community? Um, and that is my objective is get these people to talk about their business that have been around for seven, eight, 10, 20 years, some of them, or even more, you know, how can I help the next generation of leaders do that in their own right as well? All right. Now, Jeff, you are the director of design at Gresham Smith. I apologize for misstating that earlier, but your event is called Design for Play. Sounds like a lot of fun. Tell me what that's about. Well, we hope it will be. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a hopefully an interesting event that uh, invites people to approach design and big ideas through playfulness. Uh, so I think the idea is that, you know, we have a lot of big challenges around us and sometimes they can be a little bit threatening, uh, in terms of the level of expertise we think is necessary in order to approach those. But really, as was said earlier, I think it, it's just important that people feel comfortable and confident in bringing their ideas to the table. And so this is really much more about how do people from diverse backgrounds with diverse perspectives and expertise, how do you come together to attack a challenge and, and come up with a creative design solution? And using playfulness as the impetus for that. I, I, really, I really like that. You know, so what aspects of play are you highlighting in the event? Well, the way that this will work is that uh, we have a series of teams that get together, and um, they're they're supplied with a bunch of you know cool stuff to 
you know, draw on or cut up or make things out of. But what's what's really important is that it's all driven by a prompt. And uh, while I don't want to get into what the prompts are because, you know, I think we want people to be uh, inspired in the moment, um, the prompts are a little bit absurdist. They're a little bit, um, you know, maybe science fiction-y or fantasy-based. And then we're trying to ask people to come up with uh, design solutions to make the unreal or the surreal real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's something that really came to us, I think, out of this idea, again, of, of the challenges that the city faces, uh, that our region faces, and how can we get beyond our fear of lack of knowledge or understanding of these things and how can we tap into that innate creativity and perspective and the value of all that that we have so that we're seeding the conversation with as many ideas and as many definitions of success as possible. Now, you both work in design, but I I like what you're talking about, Jeff, because you're approaching it through playfulness, almost like the when we were young, when we played, you had a stick but that stick easily turned into a lightsaber or a fishing roll pot, ro- fishing fishing rod, whatever you needed. That was so. It's it's attacking these problems, but igniting our imaginations in a different way. Because to me, it feels like as we grow older, uh, in some cases, our imaginations kind of get stamped upon or dampened, um, and we're not encouraged to think broadly um, and wildly like we did when we were kids. But to have solutions to the problems that we're facing now, it requires some of that 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 childlike imaginative fervor, right? How do you feel about that, Emmanuel? I would agree. I think anything I love just saying you said what I needed at the moment I was able to create. Mm-hmm. And so these businesses, these I'm sorry, these business owners that I've engaged in my event, you know, have been able to create the things that they didn't see in the city and are successful at it and are booming and are growing. And I want to really help others who want to do the same thing, kind of create what they need in the moment, but make it last over for a long period of time. Who are some of the people you, you're going to have? And you're going to ask that, and I'm going to try to remember everyone. If I forget your name, I apologize in advance. So <laughs> I've got Savannah Yarbrough. She owns um, a bespoke and made-to-measure leather jacket company or leather company. Uh, Ethan Summers, he owns Oil and Lumber and Ethan Kiyoshi Furniture. I've got Cameron Weiss, founder of Weiss Watch Company. I've got Nick Dryden, principal of Dryden Architecture and Design. I've got um, Q Taylor, who owns Ethan Roast and Cinema. Mm-hmm. I've got Derek Moore from Slim and Huskies, and I've got one other person whom I cannot remember right now, and I knew I was going to forget that, but I'm going to come back to me, and I will have it for you. Okay, <laughs> yes, know that you are loved. You are loved, That's absolutely. Right. Okay, two questions for you, Jeff. First, we heard about an adult playground. Just want to know if you think about maybe taking that on. I won't stop you. Okay, <laughs> but uh, let me, you know, I'm really curious about, like, the thinking process that happens when we're focusing on design, like it feels like this perfect combination of art and science. Talk to me about your process of creating something new from the design aspect. How, how do you approach that? Well, you know, I think it's it's something that we learn early in design school, and it's really at the, the heart of uh, the process of what we do and, and whether it's uh, in our business with our clients or 
in in the uh, Design for Play program, really the the crux of it is about empathy. Is how do you empathize with other people? How do you build a sense of empathy that helps you understand as a designer what are the things that challenge somebody in their daily life, or what are the things that bring them joy? Um, what are the what are the things that are missing? You know that you need to invent. You know that that is that sense of empathy and making things that are not just new for the sake of new, but new and and that have honest value mm-hmm. for an intended person or community. And you know I think that if, if we can learn how to uh, explore our empathy together, then that really seeds that ground for the really innovative ideas uh, that we want to explore in order to get to where we need to get to as a community. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about um, creating something new, not for the sake of being new, but something that has value, honest value for everyone, because Emmanuel, that kind of leads to what you're saying about designed for the long game, something that not only has honest value, but lasts for a while and can become a true institution of the city. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Kaliole Colonna. We're talking this hour about Nashville Design Week with Emmanuel Legrere and Jeff Coonan. You can share your thoughts with us at This Is Nashville. All right. Do you have that other name? I do. Okay. It is Don Harden. Uh, founder and principal of uh, Don Harden Group, very, very well-respected business leader and investor in the community. All right. Don Harden will be there at one of Manny's events, but we're going to talk about some of the other events. What else are you all looking forward to, to seeing, being a part of on this Design Week? Jeff? Well, I was I told Manny earlier, I'm looking forward to his event. I think that sounds really fascinating. But, you know, out, out beyond that, I think there are some interesting things going on uh, in, in thinking about film, I think there's an event that is exploring uh, virtual AR and gaming systems to sort of uh, get lost in your imagination. I'm really interested to see where that goes. So it, it's such a, a rich, diverse, and well-curated, I think was the word somebody used before, series of opportunities. That I mean, there's really something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel? Uh, for me, I think... Firstly, I'm looking forward to more connection. Um, I've made some really, really amazing and great friends at the Nashville Design Week series of events over the years. Um, But in terms of specific events, I'd love to attend the, I think it's a Black Culinary Experience event just after mine. There's an event I was telling him earlier about, I think Make Nashville is doing it. I think all the participants will get to make something with their hands. And I find those to be very interesting Um, Of course, I would love to attend the closing party because all of the brand partners for Design Week will be speaking there as well. And they're all friends of mine and amazingly talented people as well. Um, So, yeah, lots of things happening that are going to be really exciting. Like he said, there's literally something for everyone. Okay. Now, I asked this of uh, some of our our panelists and guests in the previous segment. We have a couple minutes left. I want to hear some imaginative big vision Big picture ideas coming from both of you. What is a design project you would like to see Nashville take on for the next 20 years? Something for the future. Manny. Wow, that is a big question. Yes. Um, yeah, I threw it to you first. Uh, You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I can think of a couple things. 
I would probably, I don't know if this will fall into that category, design a public transit system that I think would work for the city. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that would fall into the creative design category, but I would I think definitely so. do that. I would love to see some sort of like shopping district. I think that would be really cool um, where you can kind of go in one place and just find a bunch of local fare and food and artisans and all those sorts of things um, that's kind of really relevant to the Nashville community and the local local market. But I th- off the top of my head, those will probably be the two things that I would say. And I can see a very cool and almost futuristic modern uh, public transit system to lead people to that shopping Absolutely. District. It all works together. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Jeff, something big for the next 20 years. What are you envisioning? You know, one of the one of the most striking things that we've seen recently is this idea of uh, green and pedestrian or alternative transit uh, systems being integrated into cities. And, and probably one of the most successful examples we've seen in the U.S. is the High Line in New York, where they've, mm-hmm. they've transferred an old elevated rail uh, platform into uh, a completely separate, differentiated way for people to experience the city. And I think as we continue to introduce density, which somebody said earlier, elegant density, I yes. think, um, you know, th- that, that that's essential for us to have a city that can support uh, the diversity of residents and economic backgrounds and uh, expertise that we have and need for the city. Um, but at the same time, I think it becomes so much more important for us to think about how we reintegrate greenery into the city, how we make a city that is resilient um, in, in terms of being able to deal with new and differing uh, and severity weather events, uh, but also use that as an asset to create really uh, valuable, exciting, natural spaces for people to have direct access to and not have it always be just a park that's in the distance someplace and competing with cars on the roads and sidewalks and all that sort of thing. I'd like to see us really rethink how we move around. All right. I want to thank my guests, Emmanuel Legrere, who is the former director of programming for Nashville Design Week. He's also an event host this year. And Jeff Coonan, director of design at Gresham Smith and co-host of a fun event for Design Week. To get more information, you can go to NashvilleDesignWeek.org. Check it out. It's not something you want to miss. I think you want to take part. Gentlemen, thank you both for being with thank me. You. Really thank appreciate you so much. it. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Magnolia McKay. It was directed by Char Daston. Laura Boach is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Maybe they designed it. Yeah, they designed our theme music. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.